Welcome to your daily affirmations. Repeat after me, working with others is easier than ever. I strive for perfect collaboration. Our teamwork keeps getting better. Yeah, affirmations are great, but Monday.com can really get you the teamwork you desire. Work together easily and share files, updates, data, and just about anything you want all in one platform. Affirm yes to start. Or tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network, and I'd like to tell you that we have a new and improved website. It has two new features that we think you'll love. One of them is a vastly improved search engine so that when you type in keywords, you'll get a bunch of episodes really quick. The other is the ability to create a listener account. And in that listener account, you can save episodes for later listening. So you can create a kind of listening list. We think these features are neat and we think you'll enjoy them. Please visit the site today. Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to the Italian Studies channel of the New Books Network. This is your host, Giancarlo Lombardi. Our guest today is Dana Renga, author of Watching Sympathetic Perpetrators on Italian Television, Gomorrah and Beyond, which came out with Paul Grave Macmillan. Dana Renga is professor of Italian at the Ohio State University. She's the author of Unfinished Business, Screening the Italian Mafia in the New Millennium, the co-author of Internal Exile in Fascist Italy, and the editor of Mafia Movies, A Reader, which is now in its second amply expanded, and mm-hmm. I should add, very successful edition. Hello, Dana, and thank you for joining us today. It is such a pleasure to have an opportunity to talk to, talk to you about your new book. Thank you, Giancarlo. It's wonderful to be here, and it's wonderful to talk with you um, today and I'm, I'm really looking forward to the conversation so dana uh let me uh let me begin uh by asking you about the book title um mm-hmm. you know uh, bearing in mind that some of our of our listeners probably know very little about italian television drama help us unpack it <laughs> with that the goal and the structure of your book great that's a, that's a wonderful question and a great place to begin um so there's some key words there that I felt were really important to include in the title that, that really speak to um, some of my main goals in the project um, and my main research interests at large that are continuing today. Um, The term sympathetic perpetrators is something that I started toying around with um, some years ago and spoke with you about at great length um, years ago. And I remember kind of, uh, nailing, coming down to, um, to deciding upon it um, at the AIS conference in Zurigo when, back in whenever that was, 2000. Uh, a lifetime ago. Yeah, <laughs> a lifetime ago. Um, and that term sympathetic perpetrators um, kind of spoke to me because of my fascination with, um, you know, uh, with Italian and American serial to, um, television uh, programs. Um, in particular, I was, as you know, obsessed with um, another keyword in the title, the TV series Gomorrah, 
which premiered in 2014 and um, is um, finished its fourth season. And we're all very excited that it's going to be coming to HBO um, Max quite soon. And, um, and one of the things that struck me about uh, that series um, that reminded me so much of American television series like um, Mad Men and Breaking Bad and The Sopranos, there are so many um, kind of these bad guys at the center of the narrative who um, viewers are positioned to root for and feel sympathy towards, despite um, all of the horrible things that they that they do. And I know you've done a lot of work on this as well. So this this question of how do we feel sympathy to someone who is um, you know perpetrating all of these horrible horrible acts from um, you know murder to um, you know just about everything we can think of. Um, and, um, it, you know, came down to this, this big question that a lot of people who work on these shows ask is, you know, why do we regularly invite these people into our homes on the small screen on a scheduled basis or on a binging basis? Whereas if they showed up at our door, we would run and hide and call the police. (laughs) (laughs) So that's something that, um, that, that question of sympathetic perpetrators is really, is really, um, keen key to me. The question of watching was um, an interesting choice for the title because the book is, um, you know, does include analyses of, 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 I think, the 14 or so programs I discuss. But it's it's really interested in kind of viewers viewing preferences, why viewers watch, what they watch, um, how they watch, um, and then how they react. So the question of watching really gets at that question of kind of, you know, of spectatorship and of um and of audiences, you know, audiences who um, in the U.S. and in Italy principally um, have invited these people into their homes and how they react to them. So, um, and then Italian television. Um, television isn't, you know, as we know, is a is a bit of a, a tricky word because yeah, uh, a lot of you know, I barely watch. I, I don't own a television. I shouldn't say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do all my watching on my small on my smaller screens, on my smaller and my larger screens that are connected to my computer. Um, but that, of course, is a key word that Palgrave and most presses would have you put <laughs> in your in your book. But um, so, um, and that's another thing I looked at a lot is where are people watching these things? Are they watching them on their iPhone? Are they watching them on computers? Who's watching it television? How do we, how do we get kind of studies of audiences from different Italian TV networks? So, um, and then the Gomorra and beyond, uh, just to be as comprehensive as I can, um, you know, Gomorra, I think, uh, up until my brilliant friend, I think we can agree has been and you, you would know much more about this, the most successfully exported Italian television show um, uh, to date um, with show rights purchased in 190 countries. And I think there's 206 sovereign states in the world. So that's like a lot of people with potential access to Gamora. So I really wanted Gamora to be focused um, central in there, but um, there, you know, the, the book does engage with um, television, Italian television programs, uh, on four different networks as well. So the beyond, I guess, invites the viewer to contemplate or the reader to contemplate those other, those other shows. So let's talk about, uh, the four networks Mm -hmm. before we talk about the programs themselves. So in fact, you divide the book, uh, you know, one of the main divisions of the book is actually according to the networks and they have very different profiles. Mm -hmm. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about it? 
Sure. Um, that was a really interesting question um, that I kind of under that I thought I thought a lot about how to structure the book because um, I it went through you know as, as lots of as lots of us do ten or twenty different structures before deciding that this yeah. was the, the structure that I think um, made the most sense and um, might be of interest to um, to viewers who are really interested in different types of platforms. So. Um, the four the four networks I discuss are Italy's public broadcasting network Rai, um, MediaSet, um, which was the Berlusconi. I won't get too much into that um, owned network um, that uh, has a very wide appeal. Um, Sky uh, Italia, which is kind of the equivalent, I guess you could say, of, of HBO. And then very recently, um, just in 2017, Netflix Italia came out. So uh, the, the book only discusses one um, one series on Netflix Italia, Subura. So those are all incredibly different and appeal to incredibly different publics. So uh, Rai is the you know the public broadcasting network um, in Italy uh, has a lot of um, a lot of shows that would be more um, slightly conservative in their in their programming. Um, this is this has changed, of course, with with some with some recent collaborations such as such as My Brilliant Friend, um, which was a co-production, of course, with with HBO and Rai, um, or even The Best of Youth. Yeah, the 20 best years youth. ago. Yes, exactly. Um, the best of youth is another great example. Um, and uh, we'll have uh, you know various shows. We'll say with featuring um, featuring priests, featuring cops, featuring. There's kind of a, a, a I would say a system at work or um, in a lot of those shows where frequently good conquers evil. Um, frequently the family is privileged. So there'll be a lot of bad stuff that happens, but in the end, the narrative will some will have come to some sort of resolution with bad guys behind, behind bars in some of the shows that I, that I studied um, that I looked at there. Several of the shows that I looked at on Rye are, are mini series, which is interesting mm-hmm. too. Um, so, you know, in, in, in Italy, you'll have these mini series of, you know, two, two um, puntate of what, like an hour and 40 minutes each, an hour yeah. and a half each, right? Um, so that was a really interesting kind of um, mode of, of programming to study because um, you can get really great um, audience numbers from the networks on that. So, you know, who's watching the demographics and this and that. Um and then the media set shows uh, are, are are certainly a little more racy. Um, there, uh, some of them will some of them will be um, a, a show that I fell in love with much more so than I was expecting um, is L'Onore del Rispetto, Honor and Respect, which is the kind of equivalent of um, of a of a primetime soap opera um, that that had I think seven seasons. Um, and is super, super, super interesting and features um, this, this very conflicted um, mob boss who, you know, sleeps with 8 million women and is constantly uh, almost dying, but surviving, going into comas and all of this stuff. So the media set programs um, do have a, there's a little bit more uh, opportunity there to be a, a bit more transgress- transgressive in, in the messages while at the same time, for the most part, conforming to this idea in the end, you know, good will conquer evil, et cetera. And then, as you know, along comes Sky. And, yes, um, <laughs> it changes everything. It changes everything, right? Um, uh, 
like like with HBO with Oz and Sex and the City, et cetera, and, and then The Sopranos in the in the late nineties when um, when Sky starts its programming, especially with Romanzo Criminale um, in two thousand eight, right? Um, yeah. Uh, that is just when everything changed with um, with the question that the question of the quality label being applied to Italian television. And um, so you have this subscription channel. So people are paying for high, high quality content. They are um, viewers are kind of received. There's this experience of watching these shows, um, you know, maybe different from the U.S. And this is something I'm working on in my next project. Um, it cast a lot of non-professional actors, mm-hmm. which is really, really super interesting, which gives this kind of lived vitality to a city like, you know, Milan or Rome or Naples or something like that. But um, I think the four series that I treat in um, in the book uh, that deal with Sky um, Sky series, there's four series um, and oh, sorry, four three series and one mini series, all uh, really get at that kind of Tony Soprano model of the sympathetic perpetrator. These are people who um, who you know are murderous villains, treacherous. Uh, deceitful liars and yet you know um as um as you've argued with them with gomorra la seria you have the term relative you i think you say relativistic viewer empathy which my students yeah. really love hearing about by the way they totally get it <laughs> they read your stuff and get it that um viewers can feel sympathy for someone who's just done a horrible thing and then someone else has done a horrible thing and then they feel sympathy for them and then the, the narratives are so carefully and interestingly constructed with um, all of these wonderful elements that I like to call the, in the book, I call it the sympathetic perpetrator identikit, which are about nine different qualities that sympathetic perpetrators might, um, might, um, might have in order to kind of push viewers to, to align with or root for. Let's talk about them. Tell us a little bit more about, you know, the identikit. Um, yeah, the, so one thing I want to point out that it's super interesting, and this is the this is I think one of the things that sparked my interest at the very beginning of the um, of the project. So, if you look at um, if you look at you know some of the shows I mentioned before, um, like uh, The Shield or Breaking Bad or uh, The Sopranos, the central uh, villainous protagonist isn't necessarily a strikingly good looking man. <laughs> So in a lot of American seriality, if you take out choral dramas, like something like Game of Thrones and anything with vampires, because like vampires, except for Nosferatu, are pretty good looking. So you have to like bracket vampires. Um, And Mad Men. And Mad Men. Yeah, that's a that's a different and interesting case. A lot of um, sympathetic perpetrators at the time I was writing the book um, in American seriality were kind of the average Joe looking guy. Whereas in Italy, this is not the case. A lot of sympathetic perpetrators um, across different um, across different platforms, viewing platforms, are pretty good looking. They're traditionally good looking. Um, a lot of that has to do with casting. A lot of that has to do with, um, I think, some characters, some actors moving from you know film to TV and this and that. Uh, but that's one trait. It's you know that people might be prompted to like these guys because they're pretty darn good look. Um, they're nice to look at. Um, but I think more importantly are things like a backstory. 
So most sympathetic perpetrators have a backstory and it's something that happened to them when they were young, mm -hmm. something that despite whatever they did, they could not, they, it's not their fault. And this backstory, like with Dexter, who's a great example, or Tony Soprano, who's a great example, or, um, or uh, John Hamm's character from Mad Men is a great example. These people, something happened to them and it marks them and it kind of creates their criminal history. Um, and that's really interesting. Sorry to interrupt you, oh, but, no, you know. They are now making a prequel film to to, to Tony Soprano, to The Sopranos, yes. just as <laughs> there is a prequel film to Gomorrah that just came out in Italy. Yeah, which we can talk about more if you like. <laughs> we don't need to go there, but I mean, it's, it's an interesting parallel there. Yeah, that's and that's I think one of the most interesting backstories is without giving any giving away any spoilers um, that of Chiro. Dimarcio, because you don't really know. I mean, he's called the immortal, immortale, in episode one, and you think it's because of this explosion, maybe, but you don't really know why he's called the immortal, I think, until episode, until season three. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was so interesting because they delayed that real, that backstory of why he's called Immortale for so long, which really, I thought, I mean, when I, when I learned it, and maybe I'd missed it before, but I've seen the series so many times. I don't know. You, you know better than me. I was like, oh my God, that's such wonderful storytelling. But yeah. now we know where his backstory came from. Um, so Backstories are great. Redeeming qualities. So lots of times they're, um, they're loving with their family. They're nice. They're smart. Um, I think, is it Jason Mattel used the term Machiavellian, Machiavellian intelligence? Um, and so they're, they're crafty. They're clever. Um, they're able to, this is a great, um, you know, someone like um, uh, Leonardo, what's his name from, uh, from 1992, 1993, Leonardo Vitale, what's his name? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, he's someone, he's a, he's a pretty slimy character <laughs> in a lot of ways, but he's always kind of in front of the advertising team, right? Like in Mad Men, he's, it's like lights, camera, action, and everyone's watching him and listening to him and, you know, floored by his great ideas. Um, Something, you know, another quality um, is um, they feel remorse. So mm -hmm. unlike a lot of bad, bad guys, unlike, say, the, some of the Rye programs, um, they don't feel remorse. They just kill people and, like, move on. These guys cry all the time. Chiro is a great <laughs> example of this. Um, the, the Aureliano from Subura, um, the Netflix series, is a great example for this. Of this. Um, in one spoiler, which I cannot share, that you and I have talked about before the first episode of season two of Gomorrah, Chiro does something horrible, 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 horrible. And then immediately starts crying yeah. immediately. And um, the music that com com contemplative music from, um, I believe it's the Mokadelic soundtrack doomed to live um, that always, uh, that always plays whenever we have these male melodramatic mo moments of sadness or bonding, that starts, the camera's positioned below him in a low angle with the soft light. And I was like, oh my God, poor Chiro, he feels so horrible for having just done this horrible thing. So that's, that, that's another really, really interesting uh, um, example of, um, of uh, this kind of identikit. Like, Kane, there's various other examples, but stepping back a little bit, one of the wonderful things about seriality is whether you're binge watching, which I frequently do, I... I remember when the, when I was able to gain access to the first season of Gomorrah, I meant to watch one or two episodes and I stayed up till four in the morning. I watched the whole season. So I'm a total binge watcher. 
So if you binge watch or if you watch, you know, every, you know, Sunday in the US on HBO or Friday in Italy or whatever, your lives evolve as theirs do. And so, you know, there's this really interesting work done on, for example, Peggy in Mad Men, where a lot of viewers just felt that she was their friend. Like they felt, you know, they wanted to tune in to see how she was doing because they just felt close to her. So there's this She was the surrogate. She was the surrogate for the viewers, basically. Yes, exactly. She also comes into the elevator the first day of jo- of her work, of her new job, in the very first scene of the of the show. So, oh, you know, right. we come in with her. We come in with her. That makes so much sense. I never thought, I've never made that connection. That's really cool. Yeah. So, so there's this question of, you know, long-term investment that feel viewers feel really connected to these people because their lives evolve, their stories evolve, their arcs evolve. Um, so that's, that's super interesting. Casting of course is super, is, is really, really great. Um, you know, Dexter is a great example. Um, I'm spacing on the actor's name who, uh, Michael, Michael, uh, is that Louis? Michael C. Hall. Like a sea hall, um, who um, you know he he plays a very sympathetic character in um, Six Feet Under, and yeah. then plays the serial killer in um, in Dexter, and then the same thing with um, with Marco Domore, who you know who stars as as Chiro. He was previous previously cast as a, as a Camorra soldier in um, A Quiet Life, and he's cast as someone who's totally redeemed at the end of that film. So and, yeah, and one could argue that this is also what's happening in the afterlife, for instance, of the of the protagonists of Romanzo Criminale. So you know, the actors who in, pro- in Romanzo Criminale la serie played mm-hmm. this brutal criminal mm-hmm. now tend to play instead, you know, civic heroes yes. in uh, in recent in recent television and film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And I think someone like Salvatore Esposito as mm-hmm. well. Those films that he's been in, this one that's coming out that I've only seen the trailer to, he plays this like a stone mason or something like that who's fighting for justice for his son. Um, so they're, you know, um, they're really another thing. I mean, that I found really fascinating. There's a lot of kind of um, kind of extra textual stuff that happens with, um, with the actors, you know, as you know, being involved in the kind of dissemination of their own image and, you know, just staying with Gamora. One thing I found so fascinating was um, when um, I listened to the the credits at the end of um, the, the kind of the credits at the end of each um, end of each episode, which were also like mini teasers to the next episode with those little flashes. Yeah. And that song was really fascinating to me, that kind of rap song. So I Googled it and I find out, you know, you find the video and the video, which is great because they have English subtitles. So you could play it for your students in class. The video shows it's not at all. I didn't understand it really. I, I knew that there was something about hope, Speranza in it, but. Um, Speranza. We, we yeah. hold the hope. <laughs> And then, and then, um, then you, it's all about getting out of the Camorra, you know, getting out of organized crime, standing up to organized crime. And in the video, you have Marco Domore, who plays Giro, and Salvatore Esposito, who plays Jenny, starring as um, a basketball coach and a theatrical coach, kind of helping the youth of Naples hinterlands get out of, you know, crime. Yeah. So that's so they're like rewriting their image as the show is, you know, kind of um, being broadcast. And so that's another really interesting, I think, part of this identikit. Dana, how 
how have these shows traveled? I mean, what has been their fortune or misfortune abroad? Um, and I'm asking you this as, you know, as American viewers can now watch uh, European television in more and more mm-hmm. legal ways, as, yes. you know, as so many channels on Amazon, for instance, are now opening up, are only, only exclusively dedicated to mm-hmm. uh, European drama. Mm-hmm. That's. Um, I'll start with a, just an anecdote from um, you know our post-COVID lockdown when our courses had to go immediately online. Um, it was a fortuitous time because uh, for for my co- my course content, it was after spring break, and what we were doing those last few weeks was The Sopranos, Gomorra, and Subura. So my students, several of them, you know, became obsessed with these shows and were watching them. Um, in their entirety. And then come, was it March, May 15th, Gamora gets pulled from Netflix and the students were writing me frantically, like, where's what happened? (laughs) We know what's going on. I don't know what to do. Um, So um, I found that really interesting that, um, you know, that these shows are really appealing to 18 to 22 year old American college students in Columbus, Ohio. Right. (laughs) And and they they, believe me in New York too. (laughs) I remember (laughs) teaching them. Um, so some of them, it's interesting. So Romanzo Criminale is an interesting case because that, um, at first was available in the U S on Hulu and Mm -hmm. no longer available as to my knowledge. I always check whenever I teach it. Um, and it's, it's really no longer available unless it, unless it's come back on. I I think it was on Criterion channel. Oh, okay. And that is the ultimate test of Mm -hmm. the quality of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's on, you know, it's on a channel that is only exclusively dedicated to art cinema, pretty much. Yes. <laughs> um, whereas um, the the miniseries I worked on, Faccio d'Angelo, Angel Face, I don't think... Um, yeah, no. I don't think that ever came here, to my knowledge. I don't remember seeing it. Um, Gomorrah, of course, the first two seasons uh, came to... Um, came to Netflix. Sundance. But because Sundance of... Sundance and Netflix, yeah. Yeah, Sundance as well. And that was really interesting when um, when Sundance picked up Gomorrah in 2016, I think. I'm trying to think yeah. taught it. Sundance did this super interesting advertising campaign where they were playing like Goodfellas and Mean Streets and all of these and Casino as well. And their aver- and I remember taking screen grabs just to use this as a teaching moment. Um, you know, they were comparing to Sundance, which is a different type of channel than, you know, than say Netflix. We're comparing Gomorrah to these mob mob classics. And that was their advertising campaign to hook in, you know, new new American viewers. Um so um I think I don't know about you, but I'm very busy and I don't have a lot of time to cook. That's why I subscribe to Factor. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. These are two-minute meals. Factor meals are ready to eat in heat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. They're flexible for your schedule. 
Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math, and this is important. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash nbn50 and use code nbn50 to get 50% off. That's code nbn50 at factormeals.com slash nbn50 to get 50% off. Uh, and then 1992 and 1993. And so only the first two seasons of Gomorrah were available for the longest time. Yes. Because and that was because of the Weinstein group. The I Weinstein, mean, you know, yes, exactly. With the Weinstein uh, uh, scandal, basically, mm-hmm. and then the Weinstein group dissolving. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no more Gomorrah. It wasn't picked up again Yeah, for a while until HBO, which just did it like mm-hmm. a week ago. Do you know anything about the contract details with HBO? I, I don't. They're going to, they've already announced uh, all four seasons plus the film, and they've already announced that they will have the, the fifth season. So yeah, yeah, it's an ongoing contract. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, some of the, it's, I think it depends on, you know, and then the, the other kind of thing we haven't talked about, enough, uh, talked about yet is the whole Netflix Italia. Yeah. Uh, um, kind of range of, of viewership in the U.S. Um, so Netflix, a lot of people, you know, are a lot of our, our TV scholar friends in, in Italy, like Luca Barra and Massimo Scaglioni, you know, talk about Netflix, or talk about Subura as being a derivative of Gomorrah, right? Yeah. It's just ripping everything off, but not as good. Um, I agree with them in part, but I think that I, do, I think that Subura is doing some incredibly interesting and different things um, in terms of. Let's set. hear it because I kind of agree with them. <laughs> so I really, I, I really want to hear what you have to say here. I, the main, I, I would say my ma- my main argument, which is one of the focuses of of, of that chapter on um, on Subura, is is really pushing the limits and the representation of um, of gay or queer characters in a way that isn't happening in any of these programs like in without giving away any spoilers. Of course, there are a few characters um, who who are gay uh, or have interesting relationships with different individuals. Um, But those all end horribly badly, like either mainly through death or complete objection or just incredible sadness. And, um, and so I, I found, I think because it's Netflix and Netflix already has an international rep- reputation for, you know, shows like, um, Narcos or Las Chicas del Cable that have, that have, um, at the center characters who are, who are out and, you know, and gay, like Narcos is a good example. You have, you know, a, a villainous gay character who, yeah. um, think what you want of him, but it's, he's doing his thing and he's out and he's gay. And um, so with Spadino, I think um, that that is something that I found to be incredibly interesting and different that um, that Netflix could do in a way that so far um, Sky hasn't, mm-hmm. um, to, you know, and, and Italian television has a has a short and difficult history of, you know, barely representing gay characters. And if so, in minor roles, and if so, you know, not a good end or just not enough screen time. So I think that would be my main, the main thing that's interesting, that's interesting to me about that. Um, The, um, the, but in, in so many ways, you know, as you, as you, you know, as, as you'll probably agree with um, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a model that worked well for sky and Netflix picked it up and, you know, 
they um, they kind of went with it. I mean, another another interesting thing I, I think about um, the Netflix model is how it was marketed um, mm-hmm. in a way that's very different from than what's happened before. So you have the film Subura that came out in two thousand. Um, well, two years before the season. Yeah, two or three years before the, the, the show. Yeah. Can't remember the date. Yeah, it was 2015. Um, and um, that is when, when Subura, so Subura the film came out earlier, but takes place later in 2011. Yeah. Um, but when it premiered in 2015, it premiered simultaneously with Netflix's um, mm-hmm. advertising campaign that it was yeah. going to that it, Netflix Italia would, you know, would make its first series based on it. So, um, and then, um, you know, in 2017, I believe in October, the series drops and the series takes place in 2008. Yeah. It's a prequel to the film. So you kind of know what's already happened to some yeah. of the characters, especially the two main characters mm-hmm. who people are, you know, shipping for all over the world. So, you know, I always tell my students, you know, but most of them haven't seen the film. Don't watch the film until you watch the season. The I season. agree with you so, completely. Don't watch the film. Um, so I think there's something really interesting there with timing and also the but something I think the season, the series does um, in a way. And of course, it's totally ripping off Gomorrah for um, the title moment. It's not a title sequence. It's a title moment. You know, Gomorrah, it's the Gomorrah kind of sinking what looks like um, toxic waste underwater, right? Mm-hmm. And Gura, it's the San Pietrini in Rome kind of coming up in this kind of creepy way to spell the to spell the title of the film. But another thing that Subura does that I found really interesting in terms of time, and I've, I've kind of thought about it in terms of queer time, but I haven't got my head around it yet, is each episode starts where it ends. So you have kind of each episode has, a, it, it starts at the end and then yeah. uh, it, it backs it, up to get you to where you. It has a circularity. You're absolutely right. It, it sort of closes the gap to where it began. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's in the, if I remember well, I haven't watched the first season of Subura in a while. That is also in the title itself. It's in the title sequence itself. You have this sense of of, of backtracking of time. Exactly. And the yeah. whole idea that falls back in the fact that the series itself is a prequel. Yeah. So it goes back in time. Mm-hmm. But eventually, therefore, already alludes to the promise that we will get there in the yeah. third season. We will get you which is the final season, we will get you to the, to the film. To the film. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's something that, that that's, that's a really good way to put it. That sense of circularity is definitely there. And there's only, I believe one episode in the first season where that starting isn't something like dramatic or violent or something like yeah. that. There's one moment of calm without Arrediano swimming. And I won't say what that's about, but I think that that sense of swimming gets at one of the main themes of the whole series which are these difficult relationships with fathers and creating alternative yeah. families and that i think and that's i believe episode five so it's almost the middle of the 10 episode series and in a way that. then i don't know if you agree with me this fits with the whole project of the the guy of the writings of the guy who wrote both suburra and romanzo criminale mm-hmm. uh, this whole idea of of rereading the past while knowing full well what happened in the present, to this mm-hmm. 
I mean, yeah. you know, both in the case of Romanzo Criminale and in the case of Suburra, you know, we are talking about events in the case of Romanzo Criminale, we're literally talking about events that happened. And La Banda della Magliana was the most famous gang, mm-hmm. known terrorist organization of the time of the mm-hmm. season of terrorism. And in the case of Suburra, we're talking about, you know, Roma, Mafia Criminale, we're talking about, you know, events that were happening that were on the news. Yeah. Uh, you know, criminality in Ostia, the Casa Monica, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, we know where they are right now. Exactly. And the, but le, the, the project is how, you know, is showing who they are. But I mean, I think that throughout all this, one big question is how do you do it without glamorizing them? (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's, and that's one of the, that's, that was, that's a key debate that kind of I returned to throughout the whole book. Um, And, you know, going back to that first point that, you know, sympathetic perpetrators in Italian television are different because they're good looking um, programs that feature sympathetic program perpetrators on Italian te- television are different for the most part from American serials because they're based on historical fact or actual figures. So that kind of create, that creates a massive tension. So you have good looking perpetrators involved in acts that actually happened that killed actual people. Yeah. Not the case with Tony Soprano, right? Um, I know Mad Men is kind of based on, on, um, on something factual, but for the most part, you know, that's not the case. So you have massive, um, massive, uh, kind of protests and polemics around these programs in Italy. Um, and that's something I, I write extensively about in each, um, in each chapter, how, how yeah, let's face it. This already happened with the, the Moro affair with the Moro Mm -hmm. kidnap. Yeah. When Mediaset made a TV series on it mm-hmm. with Michele Placido playing Aldo Moro, and this was a Tau Due production, mm-hmm. they had the leader of the of the of the Red Brigades, Mario Moretti, look like an Adonis, <laughs> yeah. which was absolutely unacceptable, mm-hmm. you know, this- to anyone who knew anything about Italian history. That, and that is an example would be Faccia d'Angelo, um, which feature, which f- focuses on, um, on Balanzasca. Yeah. Balanzasca is a great example. Um, but Balanzasca was always, be- I mean, Balanzasca was discussed in the, in the mag, in the newspapers. I, you know, I'm old enough to remember very well Balanzasca <laughs> as being Faccia d'Angelo, as being beautiful. You couldn't look at him without falling in love with him. So in a way, you know, I think that that's the excuse that they can have. Mm-hmm. But from that to like turning, you know, even in Romanzo Criminale, turning Libano and Nero, you know, or 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 Freddo into the characters that they are. Well, that's a stretch. Yeah. I mean, you <laughs> can see that with Dandy because Dandy is supposed to be good looking. He's a dandy after all. <laughs> he prides himself. Yeah. You've been a dandy, but yeah, but that's a big stretch for the rest. You're right. No, it's a, and that's, I, and I, you know, and I, as I kind of say several times in the book is, you know, I'm not resolving that problem, but I'm paying attention to it and yeah. at those debates because it's, it's fascinating that these programs are increasing. They're popular in and out of Italy. Right. And yet they're based and they're, you know, some, there's all of these, um, the, the vittime del dolore, the, the, you know, the groups, um, who, um, who are, uh, 
family members of police officers who are yes. killed or yeah know, yeah the victim or, associations yeah the victim the victims family associations are are um are creating um a lot of protests around around these shows and yet they're they're so increasingly popular i mean in gomorrah it's yeah. of course a, a wonderful example with everything that happened with filming on site in scampia yeah. they are protesting everything and But this is, you know, this is a long tradition on the other hand, Dana, as well. And I think it harks back again to the years of terror because, Mm -hmm. you know, there was a responsibility. The the press had a responsibility there in uh, paying so much attention to how beautiful the women of of the Red Brigades or even, you know, Francesca Mambro, the woman who's been indicted for uh, for being the, 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 the perpetrator of the Bologna train mm-hmm. uh, uh, bombing. Yeah. How beautiful they were. You yeah. know, I mean, uh, Adriana Faranda was known as the tiger. The tiger, yeah. Yeah, Ruth, Ruth Glenn's book is super interesting on that. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I think that's a tradition that we're fighting mm-hmm. um, that, you know, that reduces, you know, the, the, there's a certain attention paid to looks um that somehow um shifts the conversation yes whether it it takes power away from it, it remains to be seen mm-hmm. um can can i ask you a little more about 1992 and 1993 i mean your 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 chapter is called difficult masculinities one could argue also that it's a difficult treatment of a complex period of history mm-hmm. and you know um, hats off to you for dealing with it because it is a really complicated <laughs> and you know and one could argue that you know Sky was not as successful as it was with uh, Romanzo Criminale or Gomorra no and there's uh, a there's a table I believe in the back of the book with all of the viewing statistics um, yeah. <laughs> and you could just take a look at that in the appendix um, it is it you know the, the numbers speak for themselves. It was incredibly less successful. Even um, though it had such a famous name attached yeah. to it, you know, having yeah. actually, you know, calling himself as the guy who had the idea and mm-hmm. therefore being making a lot of money out of that mere mention. Yeah. The, um, the Stefano Corsi brand didn't necessarily help, help with the show's success. Um, Absolutely. I agree. All as many would argue regarding the casting of certain characters. Um, but there is, uh, you know, there is this, you definitely see a lot of uh, kind of female actors being vilified in, in 1992 and 1993's reception. And I tried not to replicate that, but just kind of to talk around it. Um, but uh, the, what I found, you know, I, I found the, how do I put it? Whether I liked it or not, <laughs> I found it such an interesting thing to tackle, um, mm-hmm. especially because of its complexity and how that complexity would translate outside of Italy. Yeah. You don't know what's going on. You're lost in minute two. Um, so, um, and I'm assuming that's one of the reasons why it didn't do well abroad. Um, but yeah, there's so much history that, that, that it takes for granted. Mm-hmm. From the viewer, I mean, yeah. it's just, you know, it's such recent history that you know most Italian viewers are familiar with it. Yes, um, it's it's. Um, I've just looked just to refresh my memory. Um, so season two, it looks like it has an average, except for the first um, two episodes, an average of about two hundred and twenty thousand viewers an episode. 
which I mean needs to be always brought back to the fact that you know it's there's way fewer viewers of Sky in general than there are of any other show because the sub- the number of subscribers is yeah. you know what it is it is very high but it's not mm-hmm. you know it's not it's not the share that you usually have it's not that you have for a Rai or a Mediaset uh, since yeah. everybody has access to Rai and to Mediaset. That's 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 true. I'm comparing it with Gamora or even Romanzo Criminale from almost a decade earlier. Um, Romanzo yeah. Criminale is 400, 500,000 viewers and then Gamora is like 800,000 to 1.1 million. Yeah. Um, and now they just aired the third season. They just aired 1994. I wonder how that went. I know. I um, I... I have to find my, my means for seeing it now that I can't travel to Italy. <laughs> I, uh, actually, uh, this is a good... I mean, I think that, you know, one of the things that we need to do here is we also need to tell people where they can find these things. Mm-hmm. So 1992 is now available on Topic Channel. Okay. Topic is one of the channels on Amazon Prime. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a new streamer and it only does European. It only has non-American television and cinema. Okay. Among them, it's not just 1992. They also have Il Miracolo, uh-huh. which is the recent Amaniti Sky production, yeah. only one season. And they literally today, they premiered uh, the most recent Tao Mediaset production called Made in Italy, which is the history of you know, I the, saw that. Yeah, the, the fashion awesome. system mm-hmm. in the creation of the fashion system in Italy in the 70s um and it's a really interesting that's a really interesting model because it's the first time that a series that was supposed to premiere on media set so for free mm-hmm. um aired in its entirety on amazon prime in italy yeah almost a year prior to the day that it aired for free oh, but that is usually the case for sky stuff mm-hmm. sky stuff will be or even Netflix, I think, even Subur, I think, might have had the similar deal. Um, they aired for a, a period of time on Rai or on La Sette mm-hmm. for free much later, much, much later. Mm-hmm. But those were Sky productions. Mm-hmm. In this case, instead, um, Made in Italy is a Mediaset production, yeah. but Mediaset gave it to Amazon Prime for early screening. I was really shocked when I saw, I read the... Hollywood Reporter article yeah. about yesterday, and I said, "Media said what?" <laughs> I'm actually a big fan of the series. I was actually the the the, can, the American Association of Italian Studies conference that was canceled in uh, in April. I was supposed to present on. Oh, it. it's a it's a, it's a really interesting series. So I urge all our listeners to go check it out. It's on my viewing queue for this evening. It's so. really <laughs> really beautiful. Um, you know, and it has a good cast, a really important mm-hmm. cast. I mean, yeah. Margherita Bui is one of the principles she's mm-hmm. in every episode, whereas, you know, uh, Bova appears a couple of episodes, for instance. Before we close, mm-hmm. um, I would like to bring you back to your old uh, interests in, uh, in uh, film studies and mm-hmm. the question of mafia and ask you, I would like to ask you how you see the difference in the treatment of mafia in the cinema of the 20th century of the mm. 21st century, which is the object of your previous book. Yeah. And in the series of Rai and Mediaset that you talk about. That's a really great question. And it's a complicated one. Um, what I, 
noticed was when Romanzo Criminale, the film, came out in 2005. I think there that was helpful to, you know, then you have Romanzo Criminale in 2008 on Sky. That kind of broke the mold, that Romanzo Criminale in 2005, in terms of how mobsters were represented in Italian film. Because before yeah. that, you know, think about the biopics, even just from 2000 with uh, each, uh, 100 Steps and Fletcher Fletcher, where you're kind of celebrating the anti-mafia uh, martyr who's fallen at the hands of the mafia. Um, all of the all of the films that are made, you know, after the Falcone and Borsellino assassinations, all of these, there's so many examples of biopics focusing on those fallen against the mafia in their early 2000s. And then in, with Romanzo Criminale, things do start to change a little bit. So now I think it's much less standard to think of one type of film that's being made. There's multiple types, everything from mafia comedies, like, um, oh, I'm spacing on the name of the one that uh, Penny... Uh, my name is Tanino. Uh, no, um, uh, my name uh, Tano da Morire. Not Tano da Morire, the... Um, oh, the, the recent one. Uh, yeah, I think Amore e Malavita. Amore e Malavita, yeah. Um, so you have these mafia comedies, um, and then you have um, a lot of things like Salvo, for example, or Anime, mm-hmm. Anime Nere, which are very along the lines of the sympathetic perpetrator identikit. Yeah. Um, so, um, and then, um, you know, the, uh, what's the Estate one in Palermo? Um, La Mafia Uccide Solo d'Estate, which is available on MHC Choice, both seasons of it. Um, So you have the series and then you have the film, which is definitely in this memorialist tradition that um, a lot of those biopics are in. Definitely. So I think... um, And it's a comedy, which is rare. Yes. It still manages to keep... It's very much a wry product. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, comedy, a love story. It's um, there's so, a reassuring element to it, mm-hmm. and there's a civic engagement mm-hmm. aspect of you know Rai that always works on biopics. Yeah, so that's I mean, so and and another thing that's definitely emerged after I would say um, like the garbage crisis of two thousand eight, um, and then the kind of not rise because it's been around, but the visibility of the eco mafia as tied to the Camorra is you have a lot of like documentaries and docudramas that are looking at the Camorra's kind of market um, manipulation of the, of the, of of toxic waste to, to turn a profit. So that's, and that's something that people like Elena Pasta worked on a lot. So that's another kind of micro genre of, of mafia films that, um, but then, and certainly that's where Gomorra 4 yes. went, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, um, and then, you know, that, and then in really interesting comparison, we haven't talked about the film Gomorra, which can be more different than the series Gomorra. Yeah. Uh, in all sorts of, you know, thinking about there aren't many sympathetic perpetrators or any in, um, you know, in, in Absolutely. Um, and, and that film, I did a study, uh, a few years ago and up until, up until 2017, it was a survey monkey study. Gamora, the film is taught with the most regularity out of any film, Italian film in the Anglophone curriculum, Absolutely. like by a long shot. And, and I think it was on, I mean, it's one of those films that has been available on all, you know, yes. on, on streaming platforms all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did well. Festival circuit, streaming platforms, a lot. Of the the you know the Criterion angle, the the yeah um, Criterion edition right away. 
yeah, the Maybacht funding, um, also the star presence of Tony Servillo. There, there's so it has this kind of formula. Um, but again, and also the name of the director. I mean, you know, oh, by yeah. then Matteo Garrone was already Ready. one of the new authors mm-hmm. of Italian cinema. Yeah. So to answer your question, I think it's a very diverse and it's a very heterogeneous um, kind of the panor- panorama of films that have made have been made in the in, in, in the new in the new millennium. Um, so then, uh, it's uh, you know I would really like I, I need to say this here. I mean, it's you've been able to do all this while being extremely committed to your work as uh, as an instructor and as an administrator. <laughs> not many not many know that you are the chair of a big department yeah. uh, and that you're very involved uh, in what you're doing right now. Uh, where do you go next? <laughs> um, well, I'm, I'm actually, I just published about two days ago, uh, three days ago, uh, the first piece of my new book, which is going to be on um, the casting process. So, um, and I published a piece on how my brilliant friend yep. series was cast. Um, it's in cast. series, right? Or in yeah. view? Uh, it's um, it's in series. Yes. In series. Series. Yeah. Available so, online for download. Yes. <laughs> Check out Academia or send me an email. Um, but so I'm, ho- I'm hoping, I'm seeing this as a very long-term project because I am hoping to talk about casting in the U.S. and in Italy, um, especially because the majority of casting directors, the vast majority are women, um, about 85% in Italy and about 78% in the U.S. And so I was lucky enough to interview a few, two of Italy's Italian television's most important casting directors next, last summer. So I'm hoping that there's going to be a large kind of in-person interview um, component to this book. So I'm seeing it yeah. as a multi-year project. Um, and I haven't kind of settled on that. So that's, I'm trying, so I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm thinking that, you know, that would work really well with my, um, with my teaching interests, the direction of the teach of where I want my teaching to go. And also once we can travel again, we'll give yeah. you some great <laughs> opportunities to go to Rome <laughs> and make contact with some wonderful with people. casting directors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I actually, uh, one of the, one of the few, good things that have happened during COVID has been all these cast reunions on YouTube and on other platforms. Mm -hmm. And especially for like long running series and, and shows, this has actually happened on a regular basis. Uh, I just wrote a piece on, uh, on the cast reunions of guiding light that have been happening every week, every Uh Wednesday. Uh, there's this guy, Alan Locker, who is uh, who used to work for Guiding Light mm-hmm. uh, behind the scenes. And he has started this thing where he interviews people. He interviews actors and actresses from Guiding Light, which was canceled 10 years ago, wow. um, every Wednesday. And then I think every Thursday he does the same for As the World Turns because both series were owned by CBS and uh-huh. they were filming together and he was working for both. And um, in at least a couple of them, there have been um, people from, you know, from behind the scenes. So there was an entire show where they had executive producers and head writers. Um, And in this last one that they only had yesterday, they had one of the casting directors. Wow. 
and a bunch of uh, the same generation of actors who were hired by him. Mm-hmm. But in every single episode that I can think of, they have been mentioning the role played by the casting directors. That's interesting. So many. So, yeah, it's, it's a really exciting project. Oh, well, thank you. I'm looking forward to figuring out what it's going to look like. <laughs> well, Dana, I really do not know how to thank you. This has oh. been a lot of fun. Um, no, it's been so much fun and it's been something that's wonderful to look forward to and to just take an hour talking about something that doesn't have to do with budget or staffing or COVID emergencies. So thank absolutely. you for... <laughs> I hear you very well, believe me. As an administrator myself, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. So uh, thanks to our listeners again. Uh, We really hope that this uh, shed some light on Italian television, Mm -hmm. which is something you don't hear about much here in the States. And hopefully it gave you uh, some, it piqued your interest to go and check out some of these shows on the many streaming platforms. Uh, You can reach out to Dana and you can reach out to me. Uh, Our emails are easily available online. (laughs) Thank you so much. And goodbye. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.